This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. At Secrets to Win Big, it's all about winning big because winning is fun. Don't get me wrong. But winning big really puts us on the path to sustain long-term wins. And that makes winning much easier. And in this podcast, I truly have the pleasure to have conversations with leaders from all walks of life all over the world. And reason I think it's very important is each one of us have a different journey. Our starting point is different. Our destinations are different based on our choices. Our paths are different. And that's the reason I really find incredibly you know, gratifying and as learning experience when you talk to these different leaders. In that spirit, today, I'm very fortunate to have a conversation with Sridhar Ramaswamy. Sridhar, in his current role as CEO and founder of Niva, also is part of the venture capital partner at Greylock. His past ex- experience, I really think it's very important to also look at how Sridhar came to these current contributions. He, ha- he was the senior VP for advertising and commerce at Google. He joined Google as a software engineer in 2003, was an integral part of the growth of AdWords and Google advertising business. As senior vice president, he oversaw all of Google's advertising products, which included search, display, video advertising, analytics, shopping, payment, and travel. Of course, I would love to know a little more about what Sridhar did, but we want to stay away from everything proprietary. I really want to understand how Sridhar's mind works because that is what will inspire the rest of us in the follow-up conversation. Sridhar also started his career, and before that, he was director of engineering at Epifemini, one of the analytic platforms. He also held research positions at Bell Labs, Lucent Technology, Bell Communications. Sridhar, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. I'm very excited to be here, Arjun. Thank you for having me. So, Sridhar, to start with, what I didn't talk in your bio is, your bio is impressive, but your academics that got you there is equally impressive. Okay. With your bachelor's, master's, PhD in computer science from two of the top-notch universities, you know, IIT Madras, and some of the most, the coolest people I know, both as professionals and human beings, are from IIT Madras and Brown University. So, Sridhar, I really want to start when you launched your career with big brands like Bell Labs, Lucent, and Bell Communications. So a couple of things I want to ask you. One is going from academics to there, you know, what should, should people look at to be successful in these big brands? And what were some of the big learnings that you had working for these mega brands? Yeah, um, you know, I got a PhD from uh, Brown and went to Bell Communications Research. Um, and I'm dating myself, but folks will remember that as the research arm of what are called the baby bells, you know, uh, companies like um, Verizon. And uh, it was a very dynamic place. Uh, my first boss was uh, this excellent gentleman named Shamim Nakvi. Um, and while he had a background in logic databases, he was all into the uh, you know internet technologies that were developing at the time. This was in the mid '90s. Um, there was a lot of excitement 
about where e-commerce could go, about the role companies like Belcor um, you know, could play in that. And Bell Labs was very similar. Um, these are institutions that were steeped in research. Uh, some of the greatest names we know in computer science, Bill Coden, uh, you know, Brian Kernigan, um, you know, Dennis Ritchie, all worked at Bell Labs. In fact, I joke to people that my biggest claim to fame at Bell Labs was I was next door neighbors with one of the founders of quantum computing, Peter Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just this culture of excellence in these places. And, and that was super inspiring. And it really made you try um, to, be, to continue to be among the best and the brightest. So tell me a little more about the culture of excellence. Like, what is it and how does that inspire a growing, budding career to blossom and push yourself up? So it manifests itself in many ways. Uh, You know, not all academic, not all Mm -hmm. research-driven. My uh, roommate, when I worked at Belcor, um, was this this amazing person called uh, Verghese Kurian, who had run the New York City Marathon in two hours and 35 minutes. Um, wow. Now you can feel assured that most normal mortals are not running a marathon in two and a half hours. And yet the thing that he told me was, Sridhar, I'm not really all that competitive because to win the New York City Marathon, I have to shave a full minute off of every single mile that I run because you have to run a 220 to win it. <laughs> so it gives you an idea of the caliber of the folks that were um, in these in these teams. And there was a lot of active collaboration, folks helping each other. Uh, so we used to pull all-nighters trying to get papers ready for, um, you know, for conferences. It was really a nice combination of um, academic work, but one that was very driven towards science, um, very driven to finding answers to very, uh, really very difficult problems. Um, my group's director, uh, he's a professor at Yale now, his name is Avish Silvershots. Um, he was um, he was deep into security and we had one of the best security teams um, in within my within my Bell Labs group. So you saw this in every in every group. Um, and so the metrics that academicians care about, which is papers accepted in quality conferences, mm-hmm. um, there was a sense of cooperation, but also a healthy sense of competition. How many papers did you get into VLDB? Um, and that was that was sort of a big deal, and that really inspired all of us to excel. So from there, you moved to Google and you excelled at the intersection of computer science and advertising. And I would, I don't know any other way to look at because now you're excelling in both your left brain and right brain. So in a few questions, one is how did you get yourself ready for the transition from day one? Because you joined at a very high level. Then what did it take to be successful in that space? For what it's worth, uh, you know, my getting into advertising was a complete accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first boss at uh, Google uh, found the word database. His name was Michael Frumkin. He found the word database in my resume and sent me to work on the ads team. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is interesting um, in retrospect is that uh, Google's advertising um, was one of the first places where the ads were very much a core part of the product Mm -hmm. um, as the organic part, so to say, of the product. Mm -hmm. Facebook now operates in a very similar way. Um, And uh, it's really that that made the ads team uh, have such incredible impact on Google's trajectory. Mm 
ads went from something that, um, you know, like uh, a set of sales executives sold space on a site to something that was algorithmically done. Um, and that was a sea change. Um, and that made the ads engineering and product teams very much at the center of what drove and to this day still drives the progress forward um, in these companies. Um, and I didn't join advertising because I thought it was the creative side. I said my joining advertising at Google was an accident. Um, but what was interesting was that it was part of this pretty remarkable transformation of advertising into a computer science problem. Um, and that really was what kept us all glued to the place for over 10 years. These were the largest systems on the planet. You got to build the biggest, I'm not kidding you, machine learning systems on the planet back in 2005. And so you got to experience things at a level that had never been experienced before. So it all connects back to what you talked about, culture of excellence. I want to go back a little, because if you look at just the resume, you were so much into academics, okay? A master's, like, first of all, it was, the, it was a very consistent, evolving, functional area, computer science. And then you went deeper, deeper, and deeper. So how does somebody who is so research-minded get to Google where now you're solving, and not you're, you're not just solving, you're excited about solving the highest computer science problems that impact and will change all of our lives? That's right. Um, so Google has a long tradition of that. Um, some of the premier computer scientists of our generation um, have in fact worked at Google. Um, you know, uh, you know, kind of uh, the most amazing engineers that Google has, Jeff Dean and Sanjay Ghamawat. Mm -hmm. um, they were uh, they're amazing computer scientists, amazing engineers, and they were very much a part of Google. Um, Google also has many other ACM fellows um, that have made meaningful contributions. So in some, you know, in many, many ways, um, it has been at the center of computer science excellence. Um, and that was driven by a trend um, where more and more real world data was available at places like Google and mm -hmm. then Facebook in a way that simply was not available in academia. If you wanted to do distributed systems work at the largest scale imaginable to mankind, you went to work at Google because that was the team that you know, had this data. Similarly, if you're interested in auction theory and wanted to see the impact of a new idea that you had on this massive online, multi tens of billions of dollars uh, ad ecosystem, Google was the place to be. So in many ways, I think of like the first two decades of this century as the place where industry had more data and more interesting problems to be solved than academia. And we were very fortunate to be a part of that. So what's the biggest thing you learned at Google? Um, I would say the biggest thing that I sort of truly learned at Google was how to take complete responsibility for a product. Most of us are content to sort of uh, be part of a larger team, a larger effort, and say, I'll do my part, but, you know, um, the bigger company, the bigger machine. And I would say it goes back to like our country, 
we don't feel quite that much of a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, because I was early and because the work that we had um, impacted Google in such a massive way, because what the search ads team did um, impacted both the top and bottom line of Google, we felt the strong sense of responsibility to the entirety of the product. And so I would say um, that is a big takeaway from there. Um, along the way, I also learned, thanks to the opportunities that Google gave me, that I did not need to set mental limits for what I could and could not do. Mm -hmm. Google was such a dynamic place where you didn't need to tell yourself, I'm an engineer, I shouldn't think about product. I'm an engineer, I shouldn't think about marketing. The founders were, you know, they were rebels. They did not want to listen to how, you know, rules were made. Um, and so they let us do a lot of things. And I would say both of those, taking responsibility, but equally importantly, being open to learning new things, to adapting. Um, I would say those are kind of my two biggest takeaways from Google. So one thing I just want to go back is, we both know this person, Arjun Malhotra. And when I was talking to Arjun one time, and I asked him a very goofy question was, what's the biggest thing you learned at IITs? Okay. And Arjun told me this incredible answer was, I learned how to work with people smarter than me without ever doubting who I am. So all through, you know, I'm talking about your PhD, IIT Madras, everything you're doing at the highest level. At Google, you are talking to people who are literally defining paths where nobody existed. And you also talked about that whole balance of cooperation versus competition. So how do you find that balance? Like how did you work with people so smart, but at the same time not lose Sridhar and push Sridhar to be the best he could do? Um, that I actually have a simple answer, which is you accept yourself and you believe in yourself. And that is something I, um, you know, I try to live to every single day, including today. There are always going to be people that are smarter than you, that are richer than you, that are better by some objective measure. Um, but it is important for us all to remember what we are, what we bring to the table, and to have that basic sense of being happy with yourself. Um, to me, that's that, that, that plays a profound role every single day. Love that. So now let me push you on the flip side of it. Now you're a category of one. There's no mental limit. In fact, there's a huge responsibility you have with your team that if you don't push us to the edge, the world will never know the edge. So it's a very unique opportunity. So in such kind of a situation, how do you define success? How do you push being a category of one where after some time, let's be totally honest, at least from my outside, there was no competition to Google. So how did you push yourself and your team in similar situations? We set up a culture of excellence. Um, you know, Google, as you likely know, has this process um, uh, by which we set OKRs. These were goals that we set for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, while you might say, yes, we are making, uh, you know, a lot of money in some particular year, um, let's face it, uh, a lot of companies, a lot of us are defined by growth. What have we done lately? And so there would always be that sort of additional impetus of we can make things better. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, when you're operating at that level, sometimes it's terrifying to say you're going to be 5% better every quarter. That, by the way, was the goal that we had for our key metrics every quarter, 5% better. 
um, and you know, compounded, that gives astronomical gains. Mm -hmm. As you can imagine, being 5% better quarter on quarter is kind of scary because you're not, how can you be sure? Mm -hmm. uh, but again, having that belief in yourself um, that the innovation will come, um, having the people that made those investments, hiring the best and brightest into the team, giving them the space, all created this environment in which you can calibrate yourself. Um, and even today, I use this. This is like, I have yearly goals. I have also write weekly goals. And in fact, with my team, for example, um, I actually kind of make them write this thing called a snippet that we send to a common news group every, um, you know, it's like an email group every Sunday night. This is what I want to get done this week. Mm -hmm. um, it's accountability. Mm -hmm. You are coming out, you're taking a risk. You know, many times you'll hit it. Sometimes you won't, but you're able to calibrate. Um, and so this, this sort of idea of having higher level goals, saying that you will improve um, and trying to achieve them and failing quite often. You know, we used to just joke that the average score that we should get on OKRs was like a 0.7, not a 1.0. Um, it necessarily includes a certain amount of failure. Um, so you have this kind of a framework that makes you better on a continuous basis. The two big things for me from what you just shared is, especially the last part about the accountability snippets is sharing it internally and also somewhat externally means there's no hiding from that. Okay, no so It's just like, you know, so many of us start the year with a weight loss goal, but it's, you know, in our mind, if we all had to post our weight loss goal on Facebook, social media every day next to our pictures, like it just becomes a total different. And second thing, I also love the fact that the very fact you were achieving 0 0.7, 0 0.8, that also told you that you guys were really pushing the goals and not just setting goals and, you know, being soft goals. And that I think is really brilliant. That's right. That's right. And I think being open with goals, being ambitious with goals um, and, uh, you know, being calibrated makes a big difference. It was about five years ago when um, I decided I needed to sort of change my personal lifestyle. Um, I had, you know, I was like 185 pounds and I was pretty unhappy with my weight. Mm -hmm. uh, so I resolved to myself that I would like get a lot fitter. So I actually started, you know, working with this weight training coach and I'd have to send him notes every, every Monday and every Wednesday um, talking about what I had done. And we would set goals. He would give me diet guidelines and so on. So in the space of nine months, I actually reduced my weight from 185 to 145. Um, and, uh, but again, it's the same process. You set ambitious objectives. You work with experts to sort of come up with an achievable plan. You break things down and you hold yourself accountable. Um, and yes, you know, you're kind of vulnerable in that situation. Um, but again, to me, being like that really sometimes um, lets you achieve goals that are pretty remarkable. So this is an amazing conversation. I'm just writing down nuggets. So if I'm not listening to you directly, it's because I'm writing these down. And to me, these snippets are so important for the rest of us as we listen is be open, be ambitious, put your goals, calibrate. And then what you showed me also is you were living the goal now in all aspects of life. It's very tough to be three different readers. And so to me, I think that whole continuity is so powerful. So I want to talk now, move to your current passion, Neva, okay? What is Neva, what's the vision, and what got, you know, when did you wake up and say, this is it, like, this is what I want to work on? You know, I was incredibly lucky 
to be part of Google as it went from scrappy startup to kind of like this world leading company. But as it grew in size, I had doubts about, um, you know, whether I wanted to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, I felt uh, that search was an important function. Helping people find information is a deeply basic human function. And I was concerned that, um, you know, it was becoming more and more of a monoculture um, where there's really like one company that decides what searching for information should mean for all of us. Um, and I also worked in ads for 15 years. And it was really a culmination of a bunch of these things that made me decide that I had to reset and start my career again. And this has happened even within Google, uh, where you sometimes decide that the only way to make progress forward is by stepping back several steps um, and thinking about where you want it to be. And I wanted to do that with, with my life. Um, I was fortunate to join Greylock as a venture partner. I did that for a few months. Um, I also had serious conversations with Vivek, my Vivek Raghunathan, my co-founder. Um, and Neva was really a result of these conversations. Um, both of us have worked on search for many years. And so we wanted to reimagine search. We felt that ads had sort of taken over search, that product that I loved early on now played such a large role on, uh, you know, within Google search that we felt that we needed a different way of looking at the problem. And so Neva was born as Search Reimagine, um, as being an ads-free private search product that focused on you, the customer. So we um, have this internal guiding principle of Neva that we will never show ads, that we will always be customer paid. Mm -hmm. um, and our take is that by reimagining search, which is a basic human need in this fashion, we'll be able to create a better product and yes, a new and hopefully successful business. We've been at it for, uh, for about two years. It's a long journey, um, but I feel very satisfied um, that Vivek and I, along with an amazing team are doing this. So again, this, you know, in the early phases, based on what you can share, what's the vision? Like once, let's say it is out there for all of us to use, what is that need that we have? Because, you know, to me, looking working from outside, I look at Google in two different ways. I look at Google to be not a search engine, it's a find engine. Yeah. Because a search, if it was a great search engine, it would have taken me like to a maze. I would have searched and then I would have said, wow, what a search. No, it's a find engine. But more importantly, I look at if you may my brother, my best friend, or I'm what, you know, what I don't tell my wife, I ask Google those things. Like if I ask Google about a like scratch or rash I have here, right. and Google right away sells that information to the best, highest bidder immediately, even though I'm trusting. If my brother did it or my wife, I would be hurt. So what's the vision of Neva, what you can share once it's out there? How does it fulfill me as an individual? This is the beauty of the model. Uh, because Neva is a customer paid product, we plan to launch it as a subscription service, as mm -hmm. a low cost subscription service, mind you. Um, we think there should be a version that is you know, roughly priced around $5 a month. Mm -hmm. um, that gives us the complete freedom to focus okay. on serving you mm -hmm. um, and to focus on protecting your privacy. Mm -hmm. This means that we can be faster for you. You don't have to wait through ads to get to the result that you want. We can be safer for you. 
um, you know, like you don't have to worry that clicking on an ad will take you to an unknown site. We will put only the best, highest quality sites up there. No one will be able to buy their way into, into their position. And we think eventually we will also save you money because we are so pro-privacy, we prevent things like remarketing. These are ads that chase you around the internet. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, one of the secrets behind these ads is they make people buy things that they don't really need. Um, and so for you know, all of these reasons, we think this is a much simpler customer first product. You pay mm -hmm. us a small amount of money in return, you get that peace of mind. You get that peace of mind knowing on every single query, here is a team, here is a product that puts you and only you um, in its results. You know, to me, it just takes me back to 1997. I was working at Papa John's in those days, it took 45 minutes to order a pizza. And you, and if for any reason you got disconnected, you went back and your family would be upset that because of your callousness. So at the same time, Pizza Hut was started working on a national 800 number that reduced it by 10%, which means 45 minutes to 41, who cares? Domino's hired the top country music stars to record. In those days, we had cassette you know, on hold tapes, like who waits, listens to cassette on hold music over and over again. At Papa John's, we literally drew this picture of this tiny customer and the big order taker stick figure that's the best i could draw and that's all i went into a board meeting with to tell by saying guys any business who cares what it is cannot sustain long term but the customer feels powerless and to me what it's taking me back there is i know i use google but many a time google to me is just like that person in my life who instead of me asking my mom by saying this is what i want to eat mom says no this is what you will eat today son and I just love what you're doing, the vision, and thank you for sharing. So now I want to move to by saying with your talent, if you do you ever think back by saying if you did not get into computer science, what would Sridhar would have done? You know, I was lucky to grow up in a family that prioritized education. It was mm -hmm. more than that, they demanded it. Um, you know, it's the it's the family upbringing that was very much kind of a part of them, um, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I actually I, in high school I seriously considered I loved cell biology. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be a biologist, mm -hmm. but there was not an easy way in those days um, to become, say, a researcher in cell biology without becoming a doctor first. For mm -hmm. some reason. I had a little bit of an aversion at the time to becoming um, a doctor, mm -hmm. um, but especially as I look back, I think there were great choices. I think um, you know, being a doctor would have been fabulous. Being a researcher in bio uh, biotech, especially mm -hmm. in this day and age, would have uh, come in quite uh, you know quite handy. Um, no, I was I was fortunate. I got into a number of colleges, both in Bangalore and then in in IIT. Um, it's kind of hard to exactly predict, obviously. Um, but to me, um, I've been a part of science. I feel like it has contributed a lot to us, um, you know, all of humanity. Mm -hmm. I've been in some other place, but I think I'd have been just as happy. Love that. You listen to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, my VIP guest is Sridhar Ramaswamy. He is the CEO and co-founder of Niva, a software company, and has been a venture partner at Greylock Partners since 2018. 
incredible career before that with Google. But the thing that fascinated me is, you know, I do goofy thing during a podcast. I was tally marking how many times Sridhar with highest level of respect in conversations brings in and talks about other rock stars who were part of his journey. And thus far, the number is 11. Okay. And that, and to me, I think many a time people talk about respecting others and leadership because to me, it's all about what we, you know, walk, not just talk. And Sridhar, I really love that inspiration as you're talking about because that is priceless. So Sridhar, this last part is about rapid questions, three to seven word answers. Are you ready? Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Let's go beyond the world of computer science. Okay. So what's your advice to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader? Uh, be humble, be vulnerable. How do you define a big win? Where you have a meaningful impact on anyone's life, a meaningful, positive impact. What is one reason, big reason, businesses fail to win big? That's a fear. They're often scared to attempt to do the right thing. So you're human. When you're afraid, how do you overcome fears? By accepting it and working through it. I tell people that um, I try many new things and I routinely look like a fool. Mm -hmm. And I accept that. You answer so you know, inspirational. And I was talking to a 17-year-old Anjali Narinthran. She's joining Wharton after selling her first startup. And now she's deferring it by a year because the second startup needs her. So I had to ask her, so you are 17 years old. Money that you raised, you don't, you compete in the open world with you, me, sweetheart, everyone. Are you not afraid? And she told me how she loves fear. She said, Arjun, there's a wall of fear. The moment I see it, I love it. I throw myself at it and every time on the other side. And your answer, I really connect. And you know, to me, Anjali's fear question, I've never forgotten, beautiful. So, you know, leaders I've talked to, you know, especially in the top athletes, they remove words no from the dictionary. You know, I have met some golfers, top golfers, whose dad gave them a dictionary and they remove words from it when they were kids. So are there words not in Sridhar's dictionary? And also, if I was an intern working with you for two days, what's a word I would hear Sridhar say most often? I would say, be fearless. It's okay to fail. You learn from it. Uh, you should be open to it. So, in a weird way, uh, you know, discomfort or fear mm -hmm. are not in my dictionary, but they're there in the sense that I think it's actually important to pretend that not pretend that they don't exist, but to accept that they exist and say they're not going to stop you. Accept and don't don't get stopped by discomfort and fear. So, Sridhar, with all your wisdom, if you could go back and find Sridhar Ramaswamy, who just got admission to IIT, uh, IIT Madras, sorry, I'm biased for IIT, IIT Madras. And you could whisper to that kid anything. What advice would you give that kid? Um, number one would be be more empathetic. Uh, uh, to me, that's the essential part mm -hmm. of being a human, really understanding how other people think and feel. Mm -hmm. um, and the second would go back to my team of uh, be fearless, try things. 
Nothing is going to happen if it doesn't work out. You learn. Wow. So Sridhar, for you to succeed at the highest level, both academically with brands, there has to be a process. Because to me, I find that success without a process can be repeated. Is there a ritual that you have when you start your day, last thing when you do with your work day that you're comfortable sharing? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that I'm an early sleeper. Um, and it's a little bit of an accident that I always wake up feeling very positive. Uh, I'm like, I can get a lot of things done. Um, I tend to plan my days. I tend to plan my weeks. You hit a little bit of that. Plans can change, um, but I tend to plan a lot. So one of the things that I do, um, you know, before finishing up for the day is whatever's in my mind, I'll sort of write it down in the list, prioritize it, and sort of let it be. The next morning you come back, you look at it, sort of have a little bit of a blueprint for what you want to do. Um, this also lets you sleep comfortably. You've written down your problems. You'll get to them tomorrow. It'll be a better day. This to me connects back to one of the top golfers when I asked him, what's the difference between your best day and worst day? What he told me was, on my best day, I know the only one thing I need to do at any moment. And rest is in a list somewhere. I'm not even worried. He told me that when he has chews gum, he's the best gum chewer on this planet. When he has the peanut butter sandwich, he just can literally reflect and visualize his baby daughter making it for him. And that's the only thing, like he extracts that. And to the point he even said that when he even is looking at a putt and crouching, for him, the blades become wider and he can see <laughs> every drop of water because he says that those are all there for you to see. And I love what you're talking about is that focus. So this is unique a joy in just doing one thing. Most people don't realize that all of us are into this false premise that we all need to multitask and do so many things um, that you lose the pleasure of just doing a single thing and being in the moment. Love it. Sridhar, this is such a fascinating conversation. Okay? If you were in my shoes, what else would you have asked Sridhar Ramsar? Not sure. I think one 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 question that I often ask myself that uh, I, I'm not sure I have great answers to is, um, yes, you've achieved a degree of success. How are you giving back? What does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say, it's, um, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of accomplished people um, from IIT Madras, from Brown, uh, for example, assume that all of their accomplishments are primarily the result of their own hard effort, hard work and effort. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I said, a number of people have been instrumental to my success. Of course, Larry and Sergey, who gave me crazy opportunities that they would, that no one should have gotten. Or Eric Schmidt was the CEO of Google. Or Bill Campbell, you know, he is one of like the grand sages of Silicon Valley, who spent an enormous number of hours with me. So part of what I have to figure out. Um, is um, how do I give back to others in a meaningful way? Uh, to me, that's a really, really important question. Um, I do a bunch of things, um, but I have to say, I'm still figuring that part out. What does it mean um, for me uh, to give to people? For example, in this country, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a US citizen, um, and I now know far better than I did 25 years ago, 
but opportunity is not the same. Therefore, what is our responsibility uh, to our country and the place where we came from? Um, that's a process of discovery. Um, that is an ongoing journey. Fascinating. And knowing you, you will figure it out. You have the discipline. And once a question comes to your mind, you find the answer. So this is such an amazing conversation. Anything else you want to share? This is great. Um, I'm excited to be, uh, you know, to have had this conversation with you. Uh, I'm truly excited to be on the mission that Vivek and I are with, uh, you know, in starting NIVA. Uh, hopefully we'll get to talk about it um, in the future. We are in a, we are in a limited beta now, uh, but we hope to reveal that product to the um, whole world in the upcoming months. Thank you, Sridhar. So this was an incredible conversation, of course. I came with a lot of excitement with Sridhar, your bio, but what fascinated me is not what you said, but how you said. The thing that really hit home was you emphasized about the caliber of team and you talked about living the team because you mentioned at least 14 people in your life. It wasn't, you know, it's very easy for somebody at your level to talk about me, 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 and me, and more me. And that to me was very refreshing for anyone listening to this conversation. You also talked about really that unique joy of doing one thing. You talked about always believing that we can make things better. And it was connected to how you set goals, be open, be ambitious, calibrate, live the goals. And once you set the goals, make sure you are setting it in real time. And then you talked about taking complete responsibility because to me, I really think it is very important because actions have consequences and taking responsibility, especially when you take the, as a leader, you're leading from front, it's really fascinating. Again, Sridhar, this was a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Thank you all for being part of this journey. I always have the best seat in the house to learn and listen to incredible conversations. Happy listening. And soon I will bring you another conversation with another leader from another walk of life, another part of the world. But this one will be tough to beat. Thanks again, Sri. Thank you, Arjun. Thank you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.